Well, welcome to Graceway Baptist Church, and it's Sunday school time again, and I'm glad that you are watching this. For those of you who are teaching, um, I pray that the Lord will bless you as you prepare and that all of this kind of comes together in your mind, but more than that, to your heart. Somebody told me one time that a message worked up in the mind only reaches other minds. In other words, this is more, while it is intellectual, it's much more than that. And then they went on to say, but a message that comes from the heart will touch other people's hearts. And so uh, we want you to have the opportunity to just take this and not just have it in your mind. It's not just getting the information. It's having it in your heart so that as you are teaching this, there's something that rings true in the lives of your students, that they are looking at you saying, this is what I want. And this is the kind of person that I want to be. And of course, we're talking still about um, prayer here. And the question is with uh, what attitude should we pray? And I don't know about you, but it's so easy to get involved in the mechanical, ritualistic part of praying. If you ever say to the Lord, teach me to pray, you know, he may put you through some things that change your heart and change your attitude about prayer. You know, uh, when everything is just sailing along and everything's fine and everything seems to be good, you don't always feel the need to pray. And sometimes when we don't feel the need to pray, well, we just don't. And that, that is a big problem for a lot of people. But I'm going to guess, especially for those of you who are Sunday school teachers, that you don't ever get to that point. It's just that you lose maybe the passion, the zeal for prayer. And maybe it's easy to say the right things at the right times about the right subjects, but not really have your heart in it. And that, that, that's where the problem is. And that's what we're trying to address here today. With what attitude should we pray? I uh, just had a flash of when David Miller used to come here and he would go, interested? I, I hope you are. And for those of you who are watching this because you want to keep up with your Sunday school class, God bless you. Good for you. That's a wonderful thing to do. But this is something where I think all of us, self-included, could use a little improvement. We have to pray and we have to pray in the right way, of course, but we also need to make sure that our prayer is genuine. We're not robots just spouting out words that don't mean anything. We want to make sure that they... Uh, uh, that they mean something. So notice how they answer it here in this New City Catechism. With love, perseverance, and gratefulness in humble submission to God's will, knowing that for the sake of Christ, he always hears our prayers. Now, um, I, I suppose we could spend a good hour, if not more, just talking about those uh, things that are listed, praying with love. You know, some people pray out of fear. They uh, pray and they do things for God, not because they love him, but because they're afraid not to, right? And uh, like with the idea of giving, there are so many people that, you know, they take their calculator and they figure out, you know, they're 10%, no more, no less. And uh, that's not really what the New Testament teaches, is it? Give as God has prospered you. And then it says, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. 
And so we're not to give, Paul says, grudgingly nor of necessity, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. I think that um, in, in those verses, you also find out where the heart of God is about everything. Uh, do we come to worship simply because it's 1015 on Sunday morning and we've been doing it all of our life? It's just, it's just time and we, we're afraid not to do it. Uh, do we pray? Because, you know, well, I'd be afraid not to pray. I've got to do, say the, the magic words so that God will bless me. And, and that is so far and foreign from what the Lord wants. If he loves a cheerful giver, I wonder what he must think about a cheerful prayer. I wonder what he must think about a cheerful worshiper. I wonder what he must think about a cheerful witness. You know, all of those kind of things, they all factor together. And yet we act like sometimes that God is demanding so much of us and he's made our lives so miserable. And the only reason we do it is because we're afraid of the alternative. That doesn't say much, does it? And it uh, really doesn't give the Lord a good, uh, for lack of a better word, advertisement to our family, to our kids, to our neighbors and friends and others. So that's something we need to work on, to pray with love. You know, they also mention this thing of perseverance. Now, we could look at it like this. Perseverance, you pray even when you don't seem to be getting any answers. You, you just keep on. Well, that would be right. That would be right. But let's flip that coin over and say this, because this is what I think might be more of a problem for the people of God, a, a bigger problem. And that is, I pray about a situation and I'm desperate about the situation. I'm afraid of, you know, what's going to happen or what the consequences of a sin are going to be. And I, I pour my heart out to God and I pray. And then I find out, oh, it's going to be okay. And I quit praying. See, perseverance means we pray not only keeping on when things are bad, but it also means keeping on when things are good as well. And a lot of people, a lot of times, they pray when they are feeling it, when they're scared to death about something that's going to happen. And then when the tumor is gone or the uh, test results prove that, oh, everything's okay. Um, you know, when the law says we're not going to press charges, uh, you know, all of those kind of things. Then what happens? Well, I don't need to pray now. Now, nobody admits that. Nobody would ever say, whew, the pressure's off. I guess I'm done praying now. We might joke about it, but we, we, we know instinctively as Christians that that's not the time to quit. And yet we do. And yet we do. So pray with uh, perseverance is a big deal. Um, it also says to pray with gratefulness. You know, how often do we come before the Lord and we come before him with all the things we want him to do for us instead of thanking him for all the things that he has done. Now, if you've ever had a little child that uh, they want something and they want it now, and sometimes you can get a little ticked off at them because they're not grateful for what you've already done. Uh, you know, it's not right. It's not exactly what I wanted. You know, it can get, you know, kind of old. Somebody said one time that, Hell hath no fury like the toddler who wanted the orange sippy cup instead of the blue one. Now, every parent knows how true that is. And they get it in their mind and you're thinking, hey, just be grateful that you've got milk to drink. Just be grateful that I got you anything at all. You know, that, that kind of thing that we do. 
well, what about us with the Lord? Do we act like the toddler that we come before the Lord and the Lord answers a prayer, but he didn't do it exactly the way we wanted him to do it. And we're just bombarding him, thinking we're going to wear him down until he finally gets it right and does it the way we think that he should have. Ron Dunn used to say that uh, when people say God has been good to me, he said what they really mean is he's finally started behaving the way they want him to. God help us. No wonder we're not more effective in our prayer life and more fruitful in our spiritual walk with God. Pray with love, perseverance, gratefulness. And then it says, in humble submission to God's will. Now, this is one where I think nearly everybody blows it, at least at one time or another. And this is where a lot of false teachers really, uh, you know, fall off of things. What is it? Humble submission to God's will. Because so many times we come across as though I am praying and I am bombarding God and almost like I'm threatening God or commanding God. Ouch. You better get it done my way. You better do it my way or you'll pay for this. Now, I know nobody says that, but that's kind of the way that we act as though God owes us something and what we really need to do, the world would be so right if God would just see things my way. And that is an awfully arrogant attitude to approach our creator with, is it not? And so this humble submission to God's will, he might tell me yes. He might tell me no. He might tell me, wait. But he always hears our prayers and he answers them, but he answers them the way he sees fit, the way he sees is necessary. And we are to approach him and to, uh, with the idea of not, I'm going to pout, quit praying, quit going to church, quit reading my Bible. I'll show you if you don't do things the way I want to do it, which I know nobody says that, but that's the way a lot of people act. Trust me, I've seen it a lot. And trust me, I'm like you have done it on more than one occasion. And uh, that's not the way we ought to approach this God who loves us and has done so much for us. Humble submission to his will. And knowing that for the sake of Christ, he always hears our prayers. I'll go back and talk about Ron Dunn again. He... uh, one time when he's preaching, and he may have even preached this here. He said, I was getting ready to pray, and he said, things had not been quite right in my life. Now, I don't know what it was he didn't say. Maybe he didn't read his Bible every day. Maybe he didn't witness to someone. Who knows what it was? But he said, oh, Lord, I approach you now in Jesus' name and just confess I am so unworthy of all of this. And he said, it was like a little voice in the back of his head said, whatever made made you think you were ever worthy? Because when we come before the Lord like that, oh, I'm unworthy, and then we attach things to it. You know, maybe I didn't give this past Sunday. You know, now I feel unworthy to pray. Well, that, that shouldn't change anything. Here's the deal. Our worthiness is not based upon our performance. We've got to get this through our head. Our worthiness is never because we did everything right or got everything right. Anything that tells you that is demonic. And there are times when um, you may look at your life and say, man, I've messed up so badly. God surely wouldn't want to hear from me. Uh, That's not coming from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always draw you to the Lord in repentance. 
confession of sin. The demons of hell will always push you away from the Lord. And the reason we can pray is because of the worthiness of Christ. And that's good news for a guy like me, because uh, sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm off. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm consistent. Sometimes I'm inconsistent. Sound familiar? And yet my prayer life and my ability to pray and be heard by God is never based upon what I do or how well I've done it. It's always based upon Christ. And he did everything perfectly. Breathe a sigh of relief. He's the one that is praying for you as well as the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that makes us worthy to be heard by God. And he did it right. And he did it well. So praise the Lord for that. Scripture. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Notice the juxtaposition of those two words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, don't leave those two words out, let your request be made known to God. You know, sometimes we come in and we just bombard God with our shopping list of our list of demands, you know, what we want, what he ought to do. And we forget to say thank you, don't we? And so uh, we want to do this and, and we want to do it right. The attitude with which, which we should pray. Now we're going to take the uh, answer that the catechism had and we're going to kind of line it out like this. We should pray in love, in love. You know, I'm wondering sometimes when I think back about when my kids were little bitty. I mean, sure, they were sweet and they would come up and they would hug me and play with me or sit in my lap and get excited when I'd come home. You know, it was a, always a wonderful time to come home and, and hear three little kids go, Daddy's home, and they come running and, and meet you. And then after they grow up a little bit, you uh, come home and walk through the door and there's nobody there but the dog and he's happy. But, um, you know, that's kind of the way things go. And uh, I liked the first one better. I liked it when I would walk through the door and before I could get into the house, daddy's home and they would all come up and, uh, and approach me. That was a lot of fun. And we can learn a lot from that because whenever we pray, that ought to be the attitude and the excitement we have to pray. But at the same time, how much did my kids at that age really love me? And I think they loved me to the best of their ability and to the best that they understood uh, why do I say that? Because, man, they could sure turn on you in just a heartbeat. Let something go wrong, and then all of a sudden they're all out of sorts and, and messed up, and you're the most horrible person on the face of the earth. They didn't say that, but I could tell they were thinking it. And, uh, you know, all of that can happen. You know, I, I see that with us. God can do so many things for us. I heard about a dad that... Uh, when Six Flags opened in Texas a long time ago, his kids and even his wife, we need to go to Six Flags. We need to go to Six Flags. Well, it was expensive and he gave up, you know, time and he was a preacher. So his Saturdays were kind of important to him to get ready for Sunday. And uh, <clears throat> so he took them to Six Flags, spent a lot of money on them and they ate, you know, hot dogs and nachos and they rode the rides you know, you, you stand 30 minutes in line for a 30-second ride, right? And they did all of that, and um, 
he, he gave up all of that time and uh, they stayed uh, six o'clock. He said, hey kids, you ready to go home? No, they wanted to stay and see the fireworks that night. And so he does it, he's a good dad and um, driving home uh, from Six Flags that night, late at night, and he's thinking, I gotta get up early. I've gotta preach two times in the morning tomorrow. And uh, that's kind of, you know, on his mind. And then all of a sudden he hears a little sniffle and he, he looks and his wife is sound asleep. So it wasn't her and he hears another sniffle and then another one. And he realizes that one of his little children in the back, they're crying. And he said, hey, 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 what's the matter? What's the matter? And uh, this little girl goes, I didn't get a balloon. Now, how, how do you think that sat with him? You know, here I am, I spent all of this money, all of this time, we did all of this stuff, you had all of this fine, and you're crying because you didn't get a balloon? And boy, it really kind of, you know, torqued him, you know? Really, really frustrated him until his wife said, what's going on? And he told her, and she goes, hey, they're just kids. Remember, they're just kids. And he had to calm down. It didn't mean that it was right what the little kid did, but sometimes we have to remember that. Hey, listen, how many times in your life has God saved you? He's given you friends. He's given you family. He's given you food to eat, a roof over your head. He's given you health. He's given you, I mean, we could go on and on and on. Like the old hymn says, count your blessings. And yet what do we do? We cry because we didn't get a balloon. We didn't get something else with it. And that is so like us. And that's why uh, watch your little kids or your grandkids, you'll learn a lot about God through them. And it's usually not because of the way that they act, that it's not real godly, but you start seeing how God relates to us and how we are in those kind of situations. And so we ought to pray in love. How often do you pray just simply because you love God? And you know how it is, you know, when you were dating your wife, you would go out and you would spend hours together and you'd eat together and do all kinds of things, you know, together that were a lot of fun. And then you'd drop her off at her house and maybe give her a kiss goodbye. And then what did you do when you got home? You couldn't wait to talk to her again. And sometimes, um, you know, you get on the phone and you talk some more. Uh, why? Because you just love being together and you talk about anything. You talk about everything. Some of the dumbest things, right? but they were important to you because you loved her and she loved you. And that's the way it ought to be when we think about our relationship with God. Everything ought to be point number one, prayed with the attitude of love. Psalm 16, one, the psalmist had this. He goes, I love the Lord. Well, well, of course you do. You're writing a psalm. You, you gotta love the Lord, right, to do that. And we all say, I love the Lord. And we sing about how we love the Lord. And we'll talk about it if we're, you know, push comes to shove. Yes, we love the Lord. And the psalmist says, I love the Lord. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. And I think about that. Do I really love to talk to God? Do I really love him? Because if it were not for the love of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God, I wouldn't be able to talk to the creator of the universe, but I can how come I don't talk more? And how come I don't talk to him about, about everything? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, right? What a privilege to carry everything 
to God in prayer. And we see prayer as a drudgery. We see it as something that we have to do. We see it as something that if I don't, the devil's going to get me. And if I don't, bad things are going to happen. So I've got to, I got to do this. My heart's not really in it, but I got, I've got to do it. No, we really got to change that around and we ought to love the Lord because he hears our prayers. And it ought to overwhelm us that he would even care about the things we want to talk about. And we should want to talk to him about anything and everything that comes up in our life. Prayer is only possible uh, for the saved and saved people love the Lord. Now, we may not love him as we ought to, but we do love him. Um, when Jesus spoke to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2, he didn't say, you don't love me anymore. He wasn't a pouty person like that. He said, this is what I have against you. You're doing everything right, except that you just don't love me with first love. You don't love me like you used to love me. And that's a kind of a warning for all of the churches, even our church, even for you and me as individuals. And we need to remember from where we fell. What, what, what did it used to be like? And we need to repent of our sin. And then need, we need to start doing, be restored to do those first works. And uh, the fact that God would want us to pray, you know, anybody want to listen to you? Anybody want to listen to me? That's awesome. And God is the one that says, I'm here and I've got my ear inclined to you. And we ought to love him for that. And the fact that God heard the psalmist made him love the Lord even more. And that's the way it should be, of course, for us. God had delivered him from death, some kind of physical death, but also delivered him from spiritual death. And if nothing else, we ought to pray and we ought to love the Lord in our prayer simply because he heard our cry for salvation. Where would you be without the Lord? That's awesome to think about. Number two, we are told that we ought to pray with an attitude of persistence. Well, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Want, want some Bible for that? Continue steadfastly in prayer. There you go. That settles it, doesn't it? Continue steadfastly in prayer. Good times, bad times, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, when things are going your way and your prayers seem to be answered, and even when your prayers don't seem to be answered and things are not going your way, continue steadfastly in prayer. That's a command. And we're also, while we're doing that, being watchful, with thanksgiving. And at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. You know, Paul was not a person who had an easy life as a Christian, in prison, out of prison, persecuted, beaten, shipwrecked, all of those kind of things, running for his life. And yet he tells us to pray like this. To pray steadfastly means to, uh, in the Greek, to attend constantly in intercession. To attend constantly in intercession. Um, he says, pray also for us. I think that when we pray, when we're doing this, praying without ceasing and we're doing this effective prayer, we ought to be thinking about other people and uh, Paul is concerned, prayed that the gospel will go out and be made known uh, clearly as it ought to be. There's a lot of static in our world today. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of things trying to grab for attention. And it's not only true here, it's also true for lost people, wherever you may think of them and wherever you may find them. 
And sometimes the gospel message gets kind of garbled up and they don't really have ears to hear. And maybe they hear one thing. Oh, God loves me. Well, cool. I'll just do whatever I want to do. And they don't hear about hell and they don't hear about sin and they don't hear about judgment. They don't hear about the cross. They don't hear about repentance. They don't hear about faith. And so we need to be constantly praying for ourselves and for other people that God would bless them and that God would make the gospel clear to those who are lost and give us the ability to clearly share the gospel. We ought to pray also, thirdly, with gratitude. You've heard this, Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And so this is the psalmist as he describes what it was like to enter into the gates of Solomon's temple. What a magnificent structure and all of the things that are going on there. And he is so excited as he does this. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, the gates of the temple for worship and enter his courts, that outer court and the other courts that were in the temple and enter those with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. So that tells us how we ought to approach the Lord as well. His first inclination was to be thankful and to give God the praise he deserves. That's the way it ought to be for us. We're not overcoming God's reluctance. We're laying hold of God's willingness. He loves us. He wants us to pray. He wants to, uh, uh, for us to pour our hearts out to him and on him and put our burdens on him. But we're to do it with thanksgiving. He deserves that. And so uh, we're to be thankful and we're to say good things about God. Now, compare your complaints to all that the Lord has done for you. The six flags and the balloon thing, right? Are you pouting because you didn't get a balloon after all that he has done for you? That is something that uh, ought to change the way we approach God. Enter his courts, uh, his gates with thanksgiving, and enter his courts with praise. So thanksgiving and praise ought to be a component of our prayer life, not just a shopping list of, of what we want and complaints because he hadn't done it the way we wanted him to do it in the timing uh, which we would like. And number four, we also are to pray with watchfulness. Why is that important? This is a part of... Uh, standing against the enemy. You got to keep your eye on them, right? Mark chapter 14, verse 38. Watch, watch and pray. Notice I put the two things together. Watch and pray. Now that doesn't just mean praying with your eyes open during dinner. Um, watch and pray. The spirit and the attitude of watchfulness, like a guard standing duty, and you're giving a report to your commander. Watch and pray. Why? Why should I do that? Why should I do that, Lord? Here he tells us, purpose clause, that you may not enter into temptation. So you're either praying with watchfulness or you're being tempted and probably falling for it. He goes on to say the spirit indeed is willing. Well, that's because he gave us that spirit, right? But the flesh is weak. The flesh gets tired. The flesh wants something else. The flesh gets bored. The flesh wants to give in. The flesh likes peace at any price. And that's why we're to live out of the spirit instead of living out of the flesh. But we're to watch, watch, watch and pray. Well, if, if you think about this, we're all under constant 
attack through temptation. You know, warfare, some people say, well, I don't know why this is happening. I did my warfare. Well, that's probably your problem. You don't do warfare and then move on about your day. You live warfare. Every step you take, every breath you breathe is an offense to Satan and his demons. He hates you and he's coming against you any way that he can. Now he may back off because sometimes we tend to follow the easy path and we think, oh, God is blessing me. Well, could be, but in some situations, what it actually is is the enemy backs off so that you'll assume God is blessing and you'll walk down the path of least resistance and then they've got you. Sometimes we live because we talk about the sovereignty of God and the enemy goes, okay, you want to play that game? Sure, we'll do it. And we think that because things fall into order, I wasn't even looking for this. I didn't even know this is going to happen. I didn't even ask for this. And boom, 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 boom. And then we take a step. A lot of people that are uh, on staff at a church do that. I wasn't looking for it. And they contacted me. And it must be the will of the Lord because it seems right to me, right? could be just that the enemy is backing off so that you'll think it's God. And you'll live by coincidences instead of walking in the spirit by the word of God. This is why we've got to be and we're commanded over and over in the scripture to be watchful, be watchful. First Corinthians uh, 16, verse 13, the very first thing is it tells us to be on the alert. We've got to watch these things. Now, that's uh, easy for me to remember because the Greek word for watchful or alert is gregoreo. Yeah, it's my name. So we're to be awake, not like the disciples sleeping while Jesus is playing in the gar- praying in the garden, excuse me. We are to be alert, paying attention, and to fail to do so is to be taken captive in temptation. You're either standing and you got your armor on and you are watching or you're falling into temptation. And the sad thing is you initially might not even know it. They're leading you where you don't want to go. Remember, sin will take you where you never intended to go, keep you longer than you intended to stay, and cost you more than you ever intended to pay. And where does it start? Does the devil ever show you the dark, gruesome, horrible outcome of sin? No, 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 no. It's nice. It's easy. It smells good. It tastes good. It's, it's wonderful. Just, just a little. You deserve it. You deserve a break today, to quote the old McDonald's commercials. And then before, uh, then when it's too late, pardon me, you hear the trap snap around your ankle or you feel the chains being wrapped around you. How did I get into this mess and how do I get out of this mess? And that's why we've always got to be gregoreo. We've got to be watchful in all things. So prayer should be done with right attitudes. These attitudes that build relationships, right? That's why we that's why we date. That's why we spend time with people to get to know them, to build the relationship. Well, that's what you're doing with God. Well, I already know God. Yeah, well, I, I met a guy that was on the street corner, you know, a couple of years ago. I guess I could say I know him. I have no idea what his name is or what he's doing now or where he is. But hey, I met him. And that's the way some people approach God. Well, I met him. What's what's the big deal? God wants you to build a relationship with him. And prayer is one of the best ways that that happens. Because God is holy, we should feel honored 
to be able to pray, honored to be able to pray. And because he is a living being, a person, then we should pray in a way that increases our love and our trust in him. Prayer, therefore, should not be just a ritualistic duty that we just get out of the way, but it ought to be something that we look forward to as we pour out our heart to him and we know that he hears us because of what Christ did for us. Our great high priest died on the cross, opened the gates of heaven, was raised from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, is Lord of all. And because we have trusted in him as the full payment for our sin and surrendered to him as Lord, we have this open door to the creator of the universe where he not only hears our prayers, he wants us to pray. He welcomes our praying. And how foolish are we to ignore that or to pray just out of duty. Well, I'm only doing this. He knows our thoughts, right? So that may be for some of you, the Lord, what he hears is, I'm only doing this because I'm afraid not to. What a terrible, terrible thing to do. So these, um, in this catechism has given us some guidelines. I'd like for you to work on that this week because I want your prayers to be effective. The Bible says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails or accomplishes much. I want you to be that person and I want you to pray with power. I want you to pray with joy and thanksgiving and gratefulness. So this lesson gives you some things to work on. And if you haven't been doing that, confess it as sin. He's a forgiving God. And you might even say to him, Lord, teach me to pray. Well, I appreciate your time. Teachers, God bless you as you teach this lesson. For the others who are watching, God bless you for your faithfulness to stay up with the rest of us. And I pray that your soul has been fed and that you have some things to think on. And as you think on these things, that the Spirit of God will guide you through the Word of God and how to correct these things so that you can live and pray to the glory of God. Remember, prayer is not getting God to see things our way. It's one of his vehicles to get us to see things his way, to have our heart match up with his heart. Now you're talking and great things will happen when we do that. May the Lord raise up intercessors in our church. And I pray that you will be one of them. Thank you again for your time and God bless you. And we'll see you later.